Welcome to the Females on Fire podcast. I'm Haley Luckadoo, educator, website designer, wedding planner, and big dreamer who took a hobby business born out of a college dorm room and turned it into a successful multi-business empire. I run on hard work and Dr. Pepper, and if it comes in pink, you better believe I want it. This podcast is for women in almost any industry who want the resources and inspiration to do what sets their soul on fire. I'll interview women who are exceptional at what they do to bring you the tools and knowledge that you need to succeed and to create the life you dream of. Hello, ladies, and welcome back again for another episode. As always, I am super excited about our guest today. Today, we are going to be talking all about YouTube. We're going to talk about how to create content on that platform and how to really use it to take your business to the next level. And of course, we have an expert in the field on today. With us is YouTuber and influencer Hannah Ashton. So Hannah, thank you for just taking a little bit of time out today to share all of this good content with us. Of course, Haley. Thank you. Yeah, we're super excited to have you on. First and foremost, just tell us all about you and how did you get into using YouTube and how have you made it a business and just tell us your whole story. Yeah, so I actually started being an entrepreneur just through YouTube. Uh, I started when I was really young. I'm 19 now, but I actually started YouTube when I was about 10 years old and I just started it as a hobby. YouTube was still pretty young itself. And I loved playing with my American Girl dolls. I loved doing their hair. I loved making little crafts for them. And so that's kind of how I found my first YouTube community was the American Girl doll community. So I started creating American Girl doll stop motions, tutorials, that kind of thing. Uh, And since I was so young, uh, my parents were a little bit hesitant, but thankfully they let me continue through with just not showing my face and just focusing on the dolls. And I did a lot of things when I was younger um, with school, with singing, musicals, also a lot of sports. And so I'm sure they just saw this as another fun thing, another fun hobby Hannah's getting herself into. But it is one of the main hobbies that I've actually stuck with for the past nine years now. And so I've had a big growth through my content, I would say. Obviously, I grew up putting myself online, but also now I don't do American Girl doll videos. Um, In high school, I transitioned into, you know, the beauty influencer realm. And throughout high school, I kind of discovered more of myself and the content I like to put out there. So now my content on YouTube and Instagram focuses mainly on women's lifestyle, especially young women's lifestyle, since a big part of my viewership um, are high school to college aged women. And then I also like to focus on entrepreneurship and women empowerment in general. And so I have been making money on YouTube for a couple years now, probably since eighth grade or so, you know, just through a few brand sponsorships, some monetization, that kind of thing. And I loved it. I love that I could have a part-time job that I really enjoyed doing, especially so young. 
but when I was about sophomore year of high school, I decided that, you know, I do want to go to college. I think I want to go to college and I don't want to do YouTube full time, even though I still want to continue to do it for as long as possible. The idea of having a tangible business outside of a social media platform sounded really enticing to me. Uh, My dad's an entrepreneur and my mom was in show business. So I kind of come from a line of people working for themselves. And I just loved the idea of that. So I had a mentor um, sophomore year. I volunteered for her startup magazine called The Letter. And I was helping her with her YouTube channel, figuring out thumbnails, what kind of content to put up, what her schedule should be. And she recommended that once I was in college or after college, I look at doing that more professionally. And I loved that idea. I thought, I absolutely love YouTube. I love giving tips to anyone who comments on my videos or sends me a DM. Uh, I would love to help women now, doing it now. So Uh, That winter break, over my holiday break, I put together my first actual website just through Wix, very simple, because before then I had mainly just been hosting all my stuff on social media like YouTube and Instagram. So I created my own website and I kind of put together a little consulting program to help women start their own YouTube channels. And I did that for about a year, launched a course and all of that fun. And now I am at Belmont University, which is in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am studying entrepreneurship and a little bit of marketing as well. And I've decided that in college, I want to focus my time um, in other places. So I have stopped consulting, uh, still put out content creation, have YouTube channel, Instagram, now a podcast as well. And now I am focusing into the product world and coming up with a product that will help my viewers kind of focused on the content that I put through my YouTube channel. So that is my story and how I went through a lot of different phases and growth, but consistently having YouTube throughout it all. That's so awesome. And it sounds like you're doing so many things. That was such a mouthful of stuff, but I love it. I love that it's all sort of YouTube centered. So it's cool that you you grew up with this hobby and then it really became a huge part of your life. Mm -hmm, For sure. That's so awesome. Well, let's dive right in. So I am not a YouTuber by any means. So I know I have tons of questions and I'm sure our audience will resonate with a lot of these. So first and foremost, why should our audience be on YouTube? How can they use it for their business? And how do you think it's going to benefit them? Yeah. So like I mentioned, I am kind of doing the, I did the opposite of what I believe your audience um, is going for. So I had a YouTube and then I started my businesses off of my YouTube. And like you mentioned, probably a lot of your listeners have businesses and they want to grow it through YouTube, which I've also worked with women who do this as well. So my biggest thing is that, yes, obviously you're starting this YouTube channel, you post on social media, you give out freebies because you want to grow your business. But Most people who are on YouTube watch YouTube for leisure and just want to connect with creators. Like that's the amazing thing about YouTube is it's so personal. And so what I tell women who are wanting to grow their business through YouTube is to not use YouTube necessarily as as an advertisement platform, like maybe you do with your Instagram or whatever, but really use it as a platform to connect with like-minded women or men and to find your audience. And so for example, if you are selling a hair product, instead of just making YouTube videos specifically about why your product is the best, why people should buy your product, which you may want to do, 
uh, I would actually make videos kind of in that niche, maybe your hair routine or your life as an entrepreneur. And then once people start falling in love with you and your personality and what makes you authentic, then you can start introducing them to your product and they will most likely be more inclined to buy the product because they already trust you and they already know you and it's, they don't feel like they're being sold to. I didn't realize that it was so connective, I guess. I, I just never thought of YouTube being so much about connection and less about the advertising side. So that's really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, of course, there are channels that do advertisements. Um, right. But, of course. Of course. But if you see, yeah, I love using the example of Lush Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. because they're, they're obviously a huge brand, um, but they're, and their videos tie their products into it, but a lot of times their videos are about how they make the product or employee spotlights, and it's not just selling advertisements. Gotcha. Okay. So with that, obviously there's still some sort of, you know, good versus bad videos. Um, so there's a process to actually putting out good content what, in your opinion, what makes for a good YouTube video? You know, is it the lighting? Is it the audio? Is it, you know, do you need to have more of yourself in it? What are your tips for really making good content? Mm -hmm. So I find what gets people to your channel and what gets people to initially click on the video and watch past the first five seconds are those outside elements. So if you have good enough quality, good enough lighting, obviously no one expects someone starting out to have Shane Dawson style editing or filming techniques, but can you the person see what you're showing clearly? Can they hear you clearly? Is there too much editing going on or is it more clean and simple and easy to follow? All of that is what gets people there initially. And then once you have them set up and they're like, okay, like this person is legitimate. They are really going to tell me something I need to know today. Then it's all about the content. So I say past the first 30 seconds to a minute is where you need to start diving into the content of your video whether that's tips, hacks, a vlog, whatever it is, start give, uh, start giving the audience the entertainment or the education aspect so that they stay longer. So it's definitely a mix of both content and all of the technical aspects, but I say start with the technical aspects, kind of figure out where you're going to film, what part in your house has the best lighting, and then from there work on the content to get people to realize, oh, this person is worth subscribing to. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Do you feel like there's any like special equipment required or can people really just do this with, you know, the camera on their computer in their office? Yeah, so I always recommend to just start with what you have because equipment is such a big investment. And first you want to find out for yourself, like, are do you like doing this? Um, will you be consistent with it? Because you don't obviously don't want to make the investment if a few months in, you're going to get bored with it. So I say start with your computer or your phone camera. Just make sure you're in front of a window. That is the best lighting still to this day. Um, I have, I brought one ring light to college, but it doesn't even... I rarely use it just because if there's good lighting out and I'm in front of a window, the sun is out, it's not too cloudy, then that is perfect lighting. Um, And a lot of YouTubers will also say that, that even with all their equipment, they still love natural lighting. So sit in front of a window, put up your phone or your computer camcorder um, in front of you, in front of the window, and then just start from there. Try not to have a messy background. People like to have, um, you know, that feeling of kind of safety or just 
piece when they click on a YouTube video, at least for people kind of in this entrepreneurship self-improvement genre. And so if you have a messy background and you're talking about a video about organizing or getting your life together, people may not take you very seriously. Uh, so you just want to make sure that you are creating a, a nice habitat for people to come to, even though it is virtual. Yeah, those are great tips. I love it. So let's say, because I feel like this is going to be most of our listeners, they have no audience on YouTube whatsoever. They have no videos. They've never posted content. Where do they start? How do you really start? Obviously, you know, you just start posting videos, but how do you really start to get it in front of an audience? How do you make sure that the subscribers find you and that they want to subscribe? Yeah. So first I say that it just takes a good few months of consistency of frequent uploading. So you'll, you may upload your first video and actually my roommates just started a YouTube channel. So I'm kind of watching them go through the process now of starting a YouTube channel from zero. And I noticed that their first video had a lot of traffic. It did really good, got like a couple hundred of views. And then after they started posting, like the next week they posted another video and then it got like 40 views. And they were kind of wondering why they had such good engagement on that first video and then not after that. And really your first video is gonna do great because it's a new channel and sometimes YouTube likes to push new channels, especially if it's a promising video or if you do a popular video, which I do recommend doing starting out, try to search in your niche and your genre and see what videos do well and then do that as your first video to get those initial views so that you show up on a YouTube page, all of that. And then it's just going to take consistency. So people may watch that first video and not subscribe because you don't have other videos up. And so they're kind of waiting to see if this channel is going to be consistent and actually is going to take this seriously. So I say, Step one, find a video in your niche that has done well for other YouTubers and do it yourself with your own spin, however you would like. For example, morning routines, night routines, room tours, organize with me, all of those are, do really well in my niche. And then be consistent. So try to upload at least once a week for the next few months. Um, if you can do twice a week, that's great too. Again, it's just getting more content out there. The more you upload, the more options people have to come across your channel. So try to be very consistent in the next few months. And then once you have a good database of content on your channel, maybe four to eight videos or more, um, then I would start really diving into your YouTube community. So again, my genre, woman's lifestyle, fellow college YouTubers, I go to similar channels and I subscribe and I interact with the followers and with the creator herself. So I comment on her videos or I'll comment on her video and then also follow her on Instagram and just send her a DM, not asking for anything, but just saying, hey, I stumbled across your channel today. This video was super helpful. I love it. And um, I can't wait to see what else you put out. And so really just diving into your genre on YouTube because as I'm sure everyone knows, YouTube is a huge place with so many different types of creators. So this is where you really need to find what kind of circle of YouTube you want to focus in on. And then, like I said, grow that community, interact with others. And then when people see your comments on someone else's video, that creator or people watching will may come to your channel, especially if you have a promising profile picture and a good channel art, um, then they'll stumble over to yours. And that's just kind of how you can start getting traction. But first you want to build that database of content. That's so good. So, I mean, there's definitely a community aspect to it, I think is what you just described, right? So it's yeah. not just throwing up a video and hoping it works and, you know, going off to your website and being like, Hey, check out my video. You really have to interact with other people on YouTube as well. Right. 
Absolutely. Um, a few of my clients starting out, they're like, Hannah, how come like no one's really commenting on my videos? And I asked them, well, how many videos do you comment on daily? How many YouTube videos are you watching daily? And so I really find the more I pour into others in my community, not just looking for something for me to gain, but really to create that, like you said, like that community, that tribe of people that I follow and they follow me and we talk about YouTube tips or whatever. The more I try to create that space for myself, um, the more people reach out to me then it, as well. So it really is what you give is what you get I find with a lot of social media platforms yeah I feel like that's it's like that with everything not just mm -hmm. social media I feel like that's all of life <laughs> so yeah so it's definitely still a social platform then yes for sure and yeah, I mean, it is going to take a while, especially now because YouTube is getting more saturated and that is why it's important to kind of hone in on your niche and not try to cater to every person who goes on YouTube, but kind of find the area you want to focus in on. And then there is the chance that you could have a viral video starting out and viral by viral video, I mean, it could just have a thousand views or it could have a million views. You know, viral is kind of a, a loose term, but just basically I consider it getting more views than you normally do um, or more interactions than you normally do on a video. So it's totally possible. Um, just I wouldn't expect it starting out. Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. So something you said earlier kind of caught my attention and, and just brought up another question. Uh, so you mentioned, you know, if you can post once a week, that's great. If you can post twice a week, that's better. So is there, is there sort of a, a sweet spot there or does it depend on, you know, what niche or genre you're in? Because I know, you know, a lot of big influencers on Instagram will say like, oh, you need to post at least every other day. But if you can do every day, that's great. But if you're posting five times a day, that's way too much. So is there a sweet spot with YouTube? Um, I would say it depends. Kind of like with Instagram, uh, posting multiple videos a day, I would not recommend. That just looks very spammy and illegitimate. Personally, if I came across a channel that did that, a lot of YouTubers do daily vlogging. I find that works best though if you have a larger audience who will, you know, die hard, they get the notification, they click on your daily vlog every day, you're getting, you know, six digit views, like that kind of thing um, is good for daily vlogs. But I recommend honestly just starting out with once a week to see if you even like the whole YouTube scene, just because probably your first few videos are going to take a while to film and edit just because you're new to it. If you've never done video before, um, then figuring out an editor, figuring out iMovie, whatever you're using is going to take a bit of time. And at the beginning, I would say quality over quantity, as long as that quantity is at least once a week, like every other week, maybe, but I really just, I find the sweet spot being once a week starting out. So you can take your time with the video, put your full effort into it, but still have consistency. Yeah, that makes total sense. Is there sort of an SEO aspect to it? Should you be using keywords in your titles or certain, you know, things in the, the caption of the video or anything like that? Or is it just the video quality and content that matters? Yeah, so I tapped into the SEO of YouTube about a year ago. Before then, I was just following what I saw other YouTubers doing. Um, and then I kind of figured out like, oh, that is why they titled it this way. That's why they put that tag in. And obviously like Instagram algorithms, it changes a lot. But for the most part, when YouTube is categorizing your video, they're going to look at three places. And that is your title, your description box, and your tags, which are like the keywords you add um, when you're uploading the video, but users don't see them. 
And so I find that you do want to use those keywords, especially in your title at the beginning of your title. So if you are doing a morning routine for 2019, winter 2019, like that is something new. A lot of people will probably be searching that. And so instead of putting in your title, my morning routine or my routine in the morning, put morning routine, winter 2019. And then at the end of the title, you can put your name or you can kind of put what makes you special, but really focusing on the beginning of your title, making it things people search. And then and adding those keywords into your description box too. So obviously in your description box, it's a little bit more like a caption. You can be a little, show a little bit more of your personality. So you can write, welcome to my morning routine for winter 2019. I'm a mom of three. And so this is how we get ready for the day, blah, 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 going into more of what the video is about. And then in your keywords, you want to write the keywords out like titles. So instead of putting one keyword morning, the next key keyword routine, uh, the research I've done has shown that it's better if you put each keyword in like a title. So my morning routine 2019, winter morning routine, all of those would be in um, separate keywords. And that's kind of hard to understand over audio. <laughs> it's better with visuals, but hopefully that kind of gives you an understanding of the SEO on YouTube. Like YouTube, when they, uh, the algorithm, it uses those three places. Um, but then also it depends on the user itself. So maybe YouTube puts your video up in front of a user by the homepage or on their recommended. It is then relies on your thumbnail and the quality of your video to get the user to actually click on the video. So there's like two different parts. It's the YouTube algorithm side, which focuses on those three places. And then once YouTube puts your video in front of someone, it's kind of up to your thumbnail and quality to make sure it actually gets clicked on. So basically just make sure that all of your stuff looks really good is the, is the point yeah. there. Yes. It may take some time to get the hang of it, but eventually you'll find out, you know, like, oh, okay, while, while you're filming the video, you'll be like, oh, this would be a good title because it explains what's in the video. I'm not a huge fan of clickbait, so I like to keep my titles pretty realistic, but still using keywords that I know my audience searches. Yeah, I think you broke that down really well. I, I feel like I followed along okay, so I think our okay, audience good. will understand. That was definitely a little easier than I thought it would be. Yeah, yeah, it can be intimidating because when you go to upload a video, it uh, looks a little bit more complicated than an Instagram post, but it's basically the same thing. You just want to get your video in front of the right audience. Right. So is there, you know, I asked you about a sweet spot on how often you post. Is there a sweet spot on the length of video? Because I know, you know, there's YouTube videos that are under a minute and there's some that are over an hour. So I, I know it kind of depends on what sort of industry you're in, but as far as businesses and bloggers and entrepreneurs go, I mean, do you feel like the shorter the better or the longer the better? Or is there an opinion there? Yeah, I've seen both do very, very well. I've seen some blog uh, bloggers. So uh, David Dobrik, I don't necessarily follow him, but my roommate does. And she loves his blogs because I think it's like four minutes and 21 seconds. And so he makes all his blogs like that exact amount. And that's kind of just a branding mechanism for him. And people love it. And then I've also seen bloggers who I like to watch where their blogs are like 25 minutes. It's like the length of watching a Netflix episode. And people love that because they can follow along and do their own tasks while watching the video. So like you said, I think it depends on who your audience is. Most of my videos are around the 10 minute mark just because I feel like when I log on to YouTube and I want to get good information, be entertained, but not feel like I'm watching a whole Netflix episode, around 10 minutes is the time I'll spend on YouTube if you know I'm just going throughout my day. 
So that's where the sweet spot for me. But of course, like you said, it's going to depend on if you want fast paced, fun, just entertaining, funny vlogs, then maybe keep them shorter. Or if you have a lot of information to say, or you're doing time lapses of you working, time lapses of you creating your product or showcasing your product, then you may want to go longer than 10 minutes. So really, I would recommend doing both at the beginning, do shorter videos, do longer videos, and just see what your audience resonates with. So it's definitely about kind of knowing your audience, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Let's say we've started gaining an audience. We've got a few videos up. We're doing well. Now what? How do you really, I, I know you said consistency is just the biggest thing, but are there any techniques to actually marketing, you know, your YouTube channel or marketing your videos or you know, just any little extra tips that you have for really capitalizing on any kind of growth? Yeah. So once you get the groove with YouTube, you're feeling good. You're like, okay, I can get a video up. Some people are responding. Things are going smoothly. That is when I would introduce personal branding or branding your YouTube channel. And so a few years ago, I started using the same fonts and the same colors throughout my videos like you would with a website or how some people do with their Instagram. So my colors are white, light blue, and gold. And then I chose two specific fonts to keep consistent throughout my videos whenever I had a title or I just had some text pop up on the video, also in my YouTube banner. Um, and that they also match my website as well. So now that you, um, and you can actually do this from the beginning, it may be a little bit overwhelming, but if you already have a website that's perfectly branded, you have your colors, start using those colors, start using those HTML codes, those same fonts throughout your videos, and it's just gonna help give a seamless look of your brand, and that's gonna help your YouTube channel feel more a part of your brand and your business, and not just like a separate social media. So I would do the same look for all your thumbnails, try to have the same editing techniques, do you use transitions? Do you not use transitions? Do you have a short intro at the beginning of all your videos or do you get straight into the content? Making those decisions, um, I would say is the next step to, again, with the word consistency, just creating consistency with your channel because people love when they can come to a YouTube channel and know what to expect. At least I do. And a lot of people I've talked to, that's what we love. Um, same way you would with a blog. You, when you go to that URL, you want to see the same kind of look, you know what to expect from the content, the tips, all of that. And so you can kind of create that with your YouTube channel as well. And I will say it's kind of hard in the beginning. I've changed the look of my thumbnails around a lot. I'm still constantly playing with new ideas as new trends come in. I maybe want to try, you know, more white space, less white space, um, bold or italic, but at least if you, especially if you have a personal brand, if you have a website, start using those colors and the, those fonts. Awesome. How do you monetize it? I mean, you know, I know you can, if you get big enough, you start getting like advertisers or things like that. Yeah. But, you know, especially if you're sort of smaller, obviously not just starting out because you've got to build an audience and really get some traction going. But what are the different ways that you can actually make money off of YouTube? Yeah, so I'll start with the first basic one with, like you said, it's just YouTube monetization, and they now have more regulations for these, and I, they, I think they recently changed, so you may just want to look up, you know, um, requirements of YouTube monetization, which... I think it's like a couple thousand subscribers or maybe a thousand subscribers. But with that, that's when YouTube places advertisements during or before your videos. And when someone clicks on it, you get a tiny percentage of that ad revenue. So it's like a few cents per video. And so obviously the more views you get, the more opportunities people have to click on your advertisement, the more you'll potentially get paid. Other than that, I think most YouTubers make their big money from brand sponsorships. 
And this really has no limit because you can reach out to your favorite coffee brand and say, this is my YouTube channel. I have, you know, a couple thousand subscribers, but I have really good uh, consistency. I have really good engagement. People are commenting. I also have my Instagram where I cross promote. And would you just like to send me some free packets of coffee? And then for in return, a mention in my next vlog or you can also get paid. So would you like to send me a few packets of your coffee and a hundred dollars to be mentioned in my next blog uh, or vlog in a Facebook post and an Instagram story, kind of the same way Instagram marketing works with brands. Um, it's just content in pay for payment or product. And I find that YouTube is actually great for paid product sponsorships. So maybe you have an Instagram right now and you want to start doing paid promotions, but all the brands you've reached out to have maybe turned you down. Well, I find YouTube is a great outlet and brands love it because it has that more personal aspect because an Instagram post, it's just one picture and a caption. And, you know, even if it's a perfectly edited picture, it doesn't really resonate with maybe the audience they're looking for. But with a YouTube video, you can take five minutes to explain why this kind of coffee is your favorite coffee. You can show yourself making it. You can show yourself drinking it in a cute mug and then, you know, going on with your day. And that visual aspect is really what brands love. And the fact that videos are so um, entertaining and interactive that they may be more open to sponsoring a YouTube video than they are for your Instagram. And that's what I found for myself as well. That's so interesting. So do you think, I mean, is that actually doable for everyone or do you really have to hit a certain like influencer status to get where you can make money? Cause I know with like people get frustrated with Instagram all the time because they're like, how do I actually make money from Instagram? How do I, you know, get brand sponsorships? How do I get clients from that platform? So do you feel like this is something that's actually doable for every person with a YouTube channel if they put in the work or do you really have to hit a certain level of status first? Honestly, over the years, my opinion definitely switched over this. When I started YouTube, the people who were getting the brand deals were definitely that specific status, you know, had 500,000 subscribers or at least 100,000 subscribers and that kind of thing. And I was like, okay, brands want numbers. Brands want conversion through numbers. And then that mentor I mentioned at the beginning of my story, Lauren Taylor, with her magazine, she is just the sweetest, most humble, kind person I've ever met. And it showed through her YouTube channel and through her Instagram. And so she's really taught me that it does not matter your following because she had around 1,000 subscribers and under 10,000 Instagram followers when Aerie, like from American Eagle, reached out to her to be an ambassador. And then Lily Pulitzer reached out for her to go on this trip. And they really just loved her authenticity online. And so she definitely changed my opinion on, oh, okay, brands only look at numbers for conversion. Now it is definitely, the game is definitely changing and they're looking more for authenticity, how loyal even your five followers are to you. Like if your five followers are showing up every day, they watch every Instagram story, they respond, you're talking to them, then that means a lot more than 50 followers who you know, aren't consistent and don't really care. So I find that, yes, it is possible for someone with a small following to get brand sponsorships. You may not get a lot of money in the beginning. It may just be a free product, but at least you're getting your foot in the door and you can uh, start reaching out to brands that you use daily and they will probably be more open to sponsoring you if you really show them, like, I love your product. This is why I love it. This is why I think I'd be a great ambassador for you. And of course, if you do have a business and you do have a course or a product, you can always leave the link in the description box. You can do a video every now and then about it. I just, like I said at the beginning, don't recommend just pushing your product because people 
will see that as inauthentic and just like, oh, she's just wants me to subscribe so she can sell to me. But of course, you know, if you have just the link to your course in the description box, you had an awesome 10 minute video about tips and you say at the end of the video below, I have a course which you guys can check out if you want more detailed tips on this subject, then, you know, that's still authentic. You're still giving them something. But that definitely is what I found through YouTube is you have to give instead of just take, take, take. But you can obviously make some money through course sales and things through that giving method. Right. I think that's with everything too. I think yeah. with any audience, you really have to give before you start really pushing your sales. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This was awesome though. This is so good. Hmm. At the end of every episode, we do a quick little lightning round and these are just fun questions that I'm just genuinely curious about, about other business owners. So are you ready? Yes. I'm excited. Awesome. What is the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning? So technically the first thing is I climb down from my lofted dorm bed because <laughs> since, <I, laughs> since I'm in a dorm and a freshman dorm at that, uh, we don't have much space. So my roommate and I have both lofted our beds like six feet, I would say above the ground. So I have to climb down in the morning, which is kind of dangerous. Uh, but then the first thing I reach for is definitely water just has always been that way. Ah, uh, the dorm rooms. I don't miss it. <laughs> <laughs> I do not miss it. Yep. <laughs> what is your go-to snack during the day? If you have one. Yeah, I love Greek yogurt. I eat way too much Greek yogurt, Shobani, Faya. I've been eating it since like seventh grade. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. What is one item that you cannot live without? Something you recommend to everybody? Uh, okay. So I listened to your other podcast and I heard you did this at the end. And so I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, I need to come up with a really good one. But honestly, I'm going to say my Bible, just because I am a Christian. I like to share my faith through my videos. And when I have start my morning with my devotions, like the rest of the day just goes so much better. So I really can't live without that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love the personal touch there. That's great. What is your favorite quote or the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? Yeah, this is definitely a Pinterest quote, but, and so I, it doesn't have a, an author on it, but it is real Queens fix each other's crowns. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I love it. And I don't know. It just, it's very hard, especially being young and especially last year in the high school world. And I've kind of noticed it in college too. It's just, it's very competitive and it's just not the best. I would say for women empowerment, I love my online space of, you know, being with fellow women business owners. And I love going to events and how women, like how women are just helping each other through their businesses or all of that in that realm of it. And so I'm kind of living in this in-between of like high school, college. And then I am opening this door to this amazing side of actual women. Yeah. Fixing each other's crowns and helping each other online. And it's just, I feel like I'm stuck in the middle. And so I have to constantly remind myself of this and it's just something I've been working on. That's awesome. Uh, I love that one so much. I love that, that sense of community. It's awesome. Yes. So tell everybody where they can find you. What's your social media? Definitely your YouTube channel. Give us all the places. Thank you. So YouTube is Hannah Ashton. Ashton is spelt A-S-H-T-O-N. And then Instagram is the other main place I am. And that is Miss Hannah Ashton, M-I-S-S, -S, Hannah Ashton. And then uh, HannahAshton.com is where you can go for the podcast, all of that. It's the Hannah Ashton podcast too. So on iTunes, Google Play, um, Spotify, all of that. So yep, that's it. <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for just coming on and sharing all of this good content. I know I took a lot of notes. I'm sure our listeners did too. And I'll definitely be checking out your YouTube videos later just for some inspiration. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, I never get to talk about the nitty gritty of all of YouTube. So this was really fun. I enjoyed it. I'm glad. It's so good. And the content was so good. And we just really appreciate you coming on with us. Oh, thank you, guys. That's it for this time, ladies. But if you have just a minute, it would make my day if you would write a review and share how much you love this podcast so that we can keep bringing you the best of the best. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter or following along on Instagram, you can find me at Haley Luckadoo on all social media and at HaleyLuckadoo.net for this episode's show notes, the blog, the shop, and pretty much all the good stuff. I'll be bringing you a new episode very soon, but until then, keep reaching for those dreams that set your soul on fire.